0: Well, firstly, if you are old enough to be my parent, then I apologize for the title. I apologize for some of the references this evening that uh, you may or may not grasp. Please don't let that put you off. The the gospel, God's word, has been proclaimed this evening. Uh, but I'm doing it through uh, using uh, the term of social media. And so it's hashtag Mary M. And those of you that are thinking, you'll know that is Mary Magdalene. And it was over the Easter period, this last Easter period, I, I just mused on the motion, the notion in my mind is, what if they had social media back then? How would would the different people see and and, and report their version, their sighting, their experience of the, the Easter story? Hashtag king of the Jews. Might have been trending. Not guilty. Crucify him. Strange darkness. All these different events that happened and all the different people that experienced them and went through them. How would they be seeing it? How would they be experiencing the Easter story? Now now we know so well that the Easter story is all about the Lord Jesus Christ who came to this world to die on the cross, to to raise, be risen from the dead, to, to overcome and overpower sin, death and the devil. He is the center of the story. But as we read through that Matthew account, Mary Magdalene's name keeps cropping up, and, and, I, and it struck me this Easter time, and, and this question came: Why is she there? Why, why is Mary Magdalene there? Well, what, what is it? And, and so this evening, I want us to to look this Easter story, look at the, the crucifixion, look at the cross, look at the resurrection from Mary Magdalene's perspective. And I'm, I'm convinced it's right for us to do this because Mary Magdalene is there and she keeps coming up there. And as we look through this story from Mary Magdalene's perspective by way of application, at the end I want to ask the question again, why was she there? So, the first thing, the first post, the first tweet she may have had could have been hashtag forsaken by God. Forsaken by God. We we see this in the verses that were just before what we read, but I'm sure you are aware of this story. And my, my mind goes to thinking, what did Mary Magdalene witness if she had have had that camera that smartphone at the time what what pictures would she be taking what things would she be thinking what things would she see that she would be remembering and wanting the world to hear Uh, i don't think there would have been things because it was so shameful People didn't talk about crucifixion because it was so awful. She would have witnessed her master Jesus being stripped naked and his body marred and blooded and beaten. And it wasn't just what she would have seen, it would have been what she would have heard. She would have heard the thud, on the nails as they were driven through his limbs. Jesus was, is the Son of God. And as he was on this earth, he was holy man and holy God, and in his humanity, he would have cried out in pain. It would have hurt. It would have been excruciating as they hung him up on the cross, and as he looked down and as Mary looked on, the soldiers were more concerned about who was going to get his cloak as they gambled for his clothes. She would have heard the passers-by looking up and laughing at her saviour, at her master, as he hung on that cross, unable to, to grasp his breath and in pain. The chief priest, And the scribes and the Pharisees in their religiosity and their piety would have came past. And she would have heard them. Those that she should have respected as religious leaders laughing and mocking Jesus. And those on the left and the right of him reviling and mocking him too. And then, as it probably felt in their minds that things couldn't get worse, there was this strange darkness that came across the land. And whether it was in that darkness or before that darkness, she would have witnessed Jesus as a son speaking to Mary and instructing John to look after her. she'd have heard that cry of abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus' last cry and him giving up his spirit and she'd have seen his body limp, fallen and no longer writhing in pain. I can imagine the Roman soldiers if they had social media taking photos. I can imagine them coming up on your screen and saying, this is too sensitive. It would be grayed out. It was a horrendous spectacle. And Mary Magdalene had lived through it and saw it. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves is can you imagine how she Felt. Hashtag forsaken by God. Moving on to our second point, at the tomb. At the tomb, and this is verses 57 through to 61 of chapter 27. I don't know if you've been to the the cinema or you've watched a film at home and you've just been immersed and wrapped up by the spectacle. You've been on the edge of your seat and and then you find yourself almost exhausted and and the final credit's going up. And that's what it was like for Mary. She, She had sat through or stood through all of this spectacle and her being there when Jesus was buried meant that she'd stayed on till the end. She, she was probably there in a daze, just in a turmoil of mind. She's totally drained and shocked. One of the things that struck me when I was in Turkey those couple of weeks back was even though it was a month after the event, there were people just wandering around the streets in shock. You have to be careful how you're driving because they just walk out into the street because they just were... And, I, and that's what it was like for Mary, I'm sure. Just this absolute shock of the trauma of what she'd just seen. She'd, she'd given up her home life to follow and minister to Jesus and her disciples' need. She'd given up her own personal wealth to take care of him. And now he is hanging on the cross. She didn't see Joseph go to Pilate to ask for the body. She was waiting by the cross in shock and disbelief. And and it may have just been she was hoping to wake up from the nightmare. Have you ever been in that situation? I'm sure many of you have had. Where the truth's been told to you and you don't want to believe it. You want to wake up from the nightmare. And then there she was. And she wanted to wake up from the nightmare. But it wasn't true because... It was true because she saw it was true because she saw the tomb. And the the tomb is where they put dead people. She saw Joseph and Nicodemus at work caring for and preparing that body and wrapping the dead body of Christ, the beaten, the mutilated, the marred body of Christ. And she saw it. And she knew that that's what was being done for dead people. And she saw where these two brothers lay the dead body of Jesus. And she knew that was the right thing to do for the dead body was to put it in a tomb and the great stone was rolled over the entrance and she saw it rolled over. And she knew that the stone was rolled over not to keep a dead body in because they don't move. It was to keep the body safe because it couldn't look after itself. And as she saw this spectacle, the second darkness of the day was falling around her.
1: It was becoming
0: nighttime, and the evening rolled in, And she couldn't just run home and flick the light switch on and and put the telly on and and, and have something to, to distract her. In the darkness of that night, the reality of Christ's death must have sunk in. It can only have been a horrendous night. She wouldn't have had much sleep, flashbacks, sights replaying in her mind, noises. And that Sabbath, that new day would have dragged in anguish and tears and grief and pain as the memories flooded back of what had happened to Christ on that cross. Her whole world is turned upside down. I don't even think she could have made herself a cup of tea, because cups of tea hadn't been invented. The little things that we have to comfort ourselves couldn't comfort anyone in that situation. And I know for some of you here, you've been through hard and difficult situations. And for a moment, I want you to take that into your mind and think that is a small fraction of what she was going through herself. Or a big fraction. And yet, although she was walking through and in these days of this, this personal trauma that she'd gone through, she still wanted to honor Jesus and she still wanted to show her respects to this dead body of Christ. And so we move on from at the tomb to our third point, hashtag empty tomb. And we see this in verses 1 to 7 from chapter 28. And before it got light, it was still dark. But the darkness was just beginning to creep away. And Mary's, Magdalene is off to the tomb And as she went there with the the other Mary, there was a concern in their heart because they knew that there was this stone across the tomb and they knew that the stone had been sealed and they knew that there had been a guard put on and how were they going to get in? And on their way, there was an earthquake. And this earthquake was not Mother Nature. As, As Matthew tells us, an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven. And he rolled back the stone. And I love this detail. And he was sat on it. Can you imagine the audacity of this angel? Yeah? The, the stone that's meant to keep the dead in. He's just rolled it aside and sat on it and said, Yeah, we know what's going on. But Mary didn't. Mary didn't have a clue at that stage. She went there. And, and, and the, guards, yeah, the, the guards became like dead men. These hard, tough soldiers were, were, were taken out by the angel. And yet this same angel looks at the woman and speaks to the woman and says, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Mary had everything to be afraid of. She'd seen Jesus die. She'd seen Jesus brutally murdered on the cross. She knew he was dead, dead. Nicodemus and Joseph had wrapped him up in linen and and he put him in the tomb. And here is some angel saying, Don't be afraid. And then he ramps it up and says, he is risen. He's not here. He's not in the tomb. And why is he not in the tomb? Because he is not dead. And and so Mary was told to to look and to see where Jesus lay. And and she looks in and and the tomb is empty. And if there is a snapshot of that, this is the Instagrammable image that I want to see. That empty tomb and the grave clothes, yeah? The grave clothes, we're told, were just neatly folded in the corner. Why? Because Jesus didn't need them anymore. Jesus doesn't need grave clothes because Jesus has risen. He's not not there. The, The tomb is empty. But she was filled with great fear and great joy can't really work that one out can we to have fear and joy together what fears did she have well she feared that he might have been taken away she feared that all sorts of things but at the same time there's a great joy because the angel said he is risen and we move from our third point hashtag empty tomb to hashtag risen And as the passage goes on in verses 8 and 10, we see what happens. And and just for the sake of this evening, I just want to make you think a bit more about it from the Gospel of John, because in the Gospel of John, he goes into more detail uh, of what happens. And having seen the the empty tomb, that there's two angels sitting where Jesus was. And there's the angel outside sat on the stone, and there's all his guards lying around like dead. And Mary's overcome with emotion and she starts crying. And as as she turns round and she goes to go out, she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. You ask yourself the question, well, why didn't she know it was Jesus? And some people said, well, her eyes were full of tears and misty. It may have been because he hadn't yet got his resurrection body and he still was marred and beaten Basically unrecognizable as Isaiah the prophet prophesied. But Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And Mary supposing to be the garden, and we probably think to ourselves, silly lady, and if we do that, we should say silly person for thinking that. The seventy-two hours she just had gone through, she's got the right to think whatever she wants. The trauma is so great. But she just says to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him and said in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Everything has changed. Jesus is alive. The, the tomb was empty not because the body was stolen. The tomb was empty because Jesus had risen and Mary there saw Jesus in front of her. And Jesus is speaking to her. Her saviour, her rabbi, her teacher is there. And, and, and get this, friends, in the backdrop of what's happening... The Palestinian sunrise has come up. And then the darkness that was has been dispelled. And there is Jesus and Mary in the light. The light shines in the darkness. And on that first Easter morning, we're reminded that the darkness has not overcome it. The resurrection has proven that Christ is the price has been paid has been paid in full and for Mary there was this just huge roller coaster ride of those 42 hours and, and I don't think Instagram or Twitter or Facebook would be big enough to contain the emotions that she went through and the silly little emojis that people use just wouldn't comprehend the magnitude of what she'd gone through but as I said at the beginning I I wanted us to see it from her perspective and I wanted to come back to this question why was Mary there why was Mary Magdalene there Why why is the story told in this way why do we keep coming back to her being there being there at the crucifixion. Being there at the tomb. Being there at the empty tomb. Being there at the resurrection. She is there all the way through. Surely if if we were writing the story, we'd have put some more important people there. We'd have put some, some, some different people there. But no, it's Mary Magdalene. Why is she there? And I do have three points this time. Short, don't worry. Three points. Hashtag witness. Mary is there because... She was the eyes and the ears of us all. She, she's not only a witness of, of event, but she's a witness that we can relate to. She's not some highbrow academic. She's not some fusty historian. She's not some king or, or, or namely person at the time. She's not even one of the 12 disciples. She is a woman who had an encounter With Jesus, it changed her life. And she was there as an eyewitness. And I think she brings to us a a detail that would be lost if that had been someone else. God, in his perfection and his sovereignty, knew that this is what we needed to help us get an understanding of what was going on. I don't know if you've ever stalked somebody on social media. Or perhaps you say, I'm doing a bit of research. You may have gone back over somebody's Instagram history. And, And if you go back on mine, you'll see that I've not changed at all in the last 20 years. But no, there's a change, isn't there? I was tall, dark, and handsome, and now I'm just tall, gray, and handsome. But but you you go back and you can see something. Now, now, if you had gone back over Mary Magdalene's social media, you'd have come to a very, very, very dark part of her life. The first mention of Mary Magdalene in God's Word is in Luke chapter 8. And we are closing, we are coming to an end, but I just would encourage you to to open that passage of Scripture because I want to see this last section through this. Luke chapter 8, page 864 in, in the Bibles. And in that second verse... Of Luke chapter Eight, we hear about Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. What would her social media accounts have been like then what What pictures, what statuses, who'd have been her followers? And yet, at a moment then, it all changed. It all changed from her being possessed and being under the the subjection of these demons to someone who was free, someone who had been healed, someone who had been saved. And at that time, the, the, the compassion of Jesus and the love of Christ had come into her life And she'd been saved. And and without Christ in our life, to some extent, we have the same problem that Mary Magdalene had. Now thankfully, I don't think anyone here has been possessed by seven demons. But I know that everyone here was born in sin. I know that all of us here have fallen short of the glory of God. I know that all of us here in our natural selves have been living for ourselves and there's been an emptiness in our lives and there's been a captivity to sin. And right now, for some of you here, your social media accounts Are you desperately trying to attempt to overcome the emptiness you have in your life and to give you some sort of relevance? And what you need to see is what Mary saw. She is the eyewitness for all of us. She saw that sins are forgiven at Calvary. Uh, and what she saw at Calvary, what she saw at the cross, what she saw going on there made sense of what happened previously. We, we don't know the account of exactly what happened when Jesus healed her of those seven demons, but what we do know is Christ spoke and demons went. And at Calvary, on the cross, when Jesus was forsaken by God and the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus and the devil looked like he was winning, Christ had the victory. He had the victory over sin and the death and the devil. And she was an eyewitness to that. And friends, I want to ask you, have you seen that? Have you seen Christ on the cross? And not just seen it from book? Do you know it? Do you know what it was all about? Because Mary did. Mary was broken. Mary was demon possessed. Mary saw her sin and knew what it was. And Christ came and changed her. And where are you? And Christian friend, if you say that you are a Christian, Is there a difference in your pre-Christian life and your post-salvation life? You see, Mary's, there was. You'd have seen it dramatically in that social media. Probably dark, dark, wicked, demonic images and statuses. Change, radically change into light. What does your social media account tell the world about you? But at the end of Luke chapter 7, just before Mary Mary Magdalene is introduced, I think there's another reason. It sheds light on another reason why Mary is there at the cross. You see, the verses there in in that chapter 7 explain an incident when Jesus is is there and he's, he's having a meal with some very pious people. The Pharisees. And when he is there, a woman of the city, a prostitute, a woman of the city, disreputable person, who was a sinner, as it says, she came into Jesus. And she came to where Jesus was. And she brought this alabaster flask of ointment expensive expensive stuff and she broke it on christ's feet and in her tears and with her hair she wiped and she washed christ's feet and and as these religious people look on and as the disciples looked on they were uncomfortable and they didn't like what was going on. And they needed an explanation. And Jesus told a parable. He spoke in picture language to these people and said about a money lender. And those two people that owed him money. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So let's say 5,000 pounds. Let's say 50, 500 pounds and 50 pounds. And then the question was, well, both of them had their debt cancelled. And the question was, which of them would love them most? And they said, well, of course, the person who had the larger debt And Jesus said, look, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Mary Magdalene was at the cross because she loves much mary magdalene had been forgiven much mary magdalene had been saved from these seven demons where else would she have been mary magdalene had given up her life and her situation to to follow jesus around and to minister him she would not leave the side of her savior even to the extent of hearing people shout crucify him crucify him she was there even to the extent that in the darkness around Calvary on the cross, she was there to the extent of seeing his dead body put in the tomb. She was there, and she was there because she loved him much. Believing friends, you love Christ much. Mary didn't want to leave Jesus aside, no matter the cost. She knew that Christ had saved her. And at the cross, she started to learn what Jesus needed to do to save her. And we need to witness the same. And I think there is a massive amount of weakness within the church and within Christians in general because we don't love Christ enough. And we don't go to the cross Nearly enough. And and in my interaction with society, I see everyone on their social media. And I would imagine most of you here who interact with social media, and if you don't, praise God and thank you. But if you do, you will interact with your social media every day. And you will put statuses, and you will look at things, and you will like things. And friends, that is the attitude that we need to have to the cross. Every day we need to go to the cross. And we need to look like Mary did at the crucified Christ. And it would do us good every day to weep over our sins and to weep over the price and the cost that price paid. And if we do this, friends, if daily, if we go to the cross, And put our social media to the side for a moment and go to the cross and go and see what Christ has done and see what our sins are and ask God to show us our sins again and ask God to forgive us our sins again and to look at the price that Christ paid on the cross. Our spiritual walks would be transformed. And I'm sure that our social media footprint would be transformed too. wouldn't be hiding in the closet, as it were. We would be wanting to tell people of Christ. We'd be so in love with Christ, we wouldn't be afraid to take up our cross and walk. We're like Mary because she was there, because she loves much. And I think if you want to love more, We need to ask the Holy Spirit to do his work and convict us of sin and righteousness. When we see our sin, it could break us, but it doesn't because our sin has been broken by Christ on the cross. And that's what it's all about. We go to our Savior and we see him there and we praise him and thank him. And we thank him that he's no longer on the cross. He is risen. Mary was there. Because hashtag hope. Mary was there because she gives us all hope. Along with the thief on the cross, she reminds us that no matter our past, no matter our sin, no matter the darkness of what we have in our lives, Christ died on the cross to pay the price of our sins. And there in that moment, the thief on the cross was saved. And there in that moment, Mary had the better understanding of what had gone on before. The demons were cast out because Christ had won on the cross. And Jesus' resurrection proves that the price has been paid. And so, friends, we have hope. And if you're here this evening thinking that your sin is the worst, well, think it if you like, but it doesn't matter because the grace of God is greater and Christ's blood on the cross is enough for that sin. And yet the devil comes to you and says, no, you are too bad. And the message of the cross shouts out, no, you are not. No one is too bad. No one has sinned themselves out of the kingdom of God. We are to repent. We are to believe. We are to come back. And when we do that, the promises of God are true, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us all unrighteousness. all. It's not the little ones. It's all it's an emphatic. It's all unrighteousness. And that's a big thing. That's a big unrighteousness. The deepest, darkest hiss, the deepest, darkest thing that's there hidden in your heart that you don't want anyone to know about. That is all unrighteousness. That's what it is. All of it. But I want to sort of say something else in hope here. There's hope of salvation for all who call on the name of the Lord. But, but I imagine, or I, yeah, I can imagine, that Mary is there on that Good Friday. And she's thinking that everything is lost. She sees Christ, her rabbi, in his dead body on the cross. She's seen him suffer in pain and agony. And I'm sure her heart went out to Christ's suffering. But I also know that she is a human and she's like me and we are selfish. And she probably thought something like this. What if the demons come back? I'll confess that's what i would be thinking. We make these things personal to ourselves, don't we? What if the demons come back? Christ is no longer here to, to take them away. Christ is dead on the cross. Does that mean these, these these demons will come back? And I think that tormented her. And then she looks in the empty tomb. And then she sees the risen Savior. And then every fear she has about her sins and her past is dispelled. Because Christ is risen. And that is the hope that we have through the crucifixion and the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin, death and the devil have been conquered completely. And the power of sin has been smashed And we call the devil, or God's word calls the devil, the accuser of the saints. And maybe right now, the devil is accusing you and saying, that sin that you've sinned, that habitual sin that's got a grip of you, is too great. No, it's not. Christ is risen, friend. Christ is risen. And the power of that sin has been broken and smashed. And your eternity is secured in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or to put it like this, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward, I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. That's it. That's the hope. Why was Mary Magdalene there? Well, I think she's there as an eyewitness for us. She was there because she loves much and challenges us do we love much and she was there to underline that hope that we have in Christ and Christ crucified and so if Mary Magdalene was here now or if she wrote her status what would she say I really don't know. But what I'm going to say to you is do you know the risen Savior for yourself? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Because one day every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But on that day, if your sins haven't been forgiven, you will be paying the price for them for the rest of your eternity. Now is a time to come out of darkness and into light. And if you've never called on the name of the Lord to be saved before, now is a moment to do it. Because there's no guarantee for tomorrow, but there is right now. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that Mary Magdalene was at the cross. We can't imagine what she went through, but we're thankful for a witness. We thank you that she was there at the empty tomb, we thank you that she had the privilege of seeing in person the risen Saviour. We thank you for the hope that that gives us. But, oh Lord God, most of all what we thank you for is that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world and gave Mary something to see and Mary something to hope in because of your grace and your mercy. May each and every one of us here this evening come to know you through the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. May we all be out of the darkness and may we be in the light. And those of us that know you as our Lord and Savior, may we often be at Calvary. May we often look at that spectacle of what happened. And may it motivate us and help us to grow and may it enable us to become more like your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may glory and honour come to your name through it. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. We're going to sing that uh, hymn that we quoted. For, that I quoted from, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Thank you. God, may we all be able to leave here this evening saying that my life is safe in Christ, my Lord. Oh Lord God, may each and every one of us know that for ourselves and may we live in the light of it and may we look forward to eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.